The Present by Stefan Molyneux, Chapter 13 When Rachel and Arlo went on their first dinner dates, they would see older couples staring off into space or at their phones instead of talking. And they would ridicule these proximate, disconnected statues, vowing, of course, to never be like that. Then, over the course of their relationship, they went through phases of intimacy and distance, like a lengthy heartbeat. They got close, then recoiled or drifted apart. It was like they had two separate lives that spread apart, then came together, like train tracks in a wilderness. When they were in the same mood, or facing the same issues, or had mutual problems to solve, they stayed up late talking. Then, when life took them in different directions, they didn't even wave goodbye as they drifted apart. They considered this to be mature, that they wanted each other, but didn't desperately need each other. The night they went for dinner at Rachel's parents' house, each was struggling to find a way to connect before the socializing began. Arlo's parents were gleefully burning up the inheritance, as they put it, via endless travel. They were both embroiled in the high-end art world and had what seemed to Rachel to be a rather suspicious amount of cash lying around the house. Arlo's father had been a model, his mother a curator and auctioneer. In the arid, often creepy world of modern art, They had moved like glass sharks through the clear waters of cultural catastrophe. All the people in Arlo's childhood photos had some strange attribute. Blue glasses, far too small. Obviously fake beehive hairdos. Giant black hoops embedded in their earlobes. And always held their heads slightly to one side or the other, like quizzical owls regarding a corpse. They were all Atheists, all left-wing, and used endless, elaborate terminology to cover up their fetish for destruction. His parents had offered Arlo use of their townhome, which was blindingly white, barely furnished, and with art on the wall that Rachel always found deeply unsettling. Portraits of doughy, blank-faced people surrounded by oversized dogs with bloody teeth, family portraits with misshapen people in 1920s outfits, a birdcage covered in bloody feathers, dead-eyed children with hands tied over their heads, and so on. Arlo refused to spend a single night in the townhouse, and only visited it twice a month to flush the toilets and clean up the mail. He never mentioned any particular trauma, but his avoidance was absolute. Rachel's parents were solidly lower middle class. Her father was a foreman at a factory that produced custom T-shirts, a job he had held for almost 30 years, and her mother was a part-time bookkeeper. They went bowling, visited their church twice a week, did charity work for the elderly, and had sensible hobbies. Rachel's father had built an elaborate model train set in the basement, and Rachel's mother loved collecting duck ornaments and crocheting. They had none of the anxiety that drove Rachel. Visiting them was like trying to run through thick jello. They existed in a peculiar state of timelessness. The ambition to change the world and be recognized and noticed was as foreign to them as a Kurosawa film in the original Japanese. 
to Rachel's mind, they plodded along, or rather round and round, in a revolving door to nowhere, with no real sense of time or growth or decay. Arlo loved them, though. He shared a similar sense of humour with Rachel's father and took deep pleasure in her mother's homeliness. They recognised his looks and gave him occasional compliments, but also tried to reach past the glare of his beauty to reach his soul or something. He visibly relaxed in their presence. And their home was relaxing, with its occasional chirps from the dark wooden cuckoo clock, the linoleum tabletop in the kitchen, and the rows of duck ornaments on every windowsill. It always seemed darker than outside, yellow-lit and womb-like. The solid unflappability of Rachel's parents was like a deep anchor in a wide storm, the shivering storm of modernity. Even their names, Bert and Ethel, seemed like musty exhalations from the cellar door of the distant past. Rachel and Arlo said very little on the drive. Their random pendulums were currently at their most distant arc. Up until as recently as a year ago, they would strive to find topics to bridge the gap, but now they simply sat in silence. Comfortable silence, they said to themselves. They parked their creaky car in silence, stepped out in silence, walked up the mossy stepping stones in silence. Only their knocking broke the quiet. As always, Rachel's mother opened the door. Rachel, Arlo, great to see you. Come in, come in. She beamed, wiping her hands on a teacloth, her slightly stained apron draped over her wide hips. Arlo leaned down and she kissed his cheek. He gave her a big hug. Rachel stepped forward and held her as well. I never know your schedule, so I made food that we could eat any time. No rush. She called over her shoulder. Bert, they're here. Rachel's father had a habit of appearing around corners as if he had been beamed in. Arlo was aware of this and so did not crash into him. Bert shook Arlo's hand warmly, then reached around him and hugged his daughter. Traffic all right? he asked. Rachel shrugged. Nothing too bad, nothing we can't handle. Well, Mother is the proud possessor of a brand new crockpot, so we all get to see what wonderful meal she has for us today. Come in, sit down. Arlo, you want a beer? Arlo only broke his no-carbs rule in this house. Yeah, thank you. So, how are things at the zoo? asked Bert, handing him a bottle. Pretty good, thanks. How are things at the factory? Bert stretched his lips, baring his teeth. Things are bad, not gonna lie. How come? What's up? Can't get anything, said Bert, simply taking a swig of beer. We're doing all this just-in-time manufacturing. We reach for a part, and it's supposed to just get handed to us. We don't store anything. Saves a fortune, but it means that if we reach for something and it's not there, we got nothing. Empty factory. I'm going over things with Randall, the boss, and he's pulling out what little hair he has left. Why can't you get anything? Bert shrugged. Eh, it's above my pay grade. It's just like this... What was the name? The phrase in that article we read, huh? Bustling in the kitchen, Ethel threw a look over her shoulder. Can you narrow it down a little, dear? About how everything is just slowing down? He snapped his fingers. The great slowdown. That's it. Good article. I'll give it to you. World is increasingly full of... Heck, I 
don't even know the word to use anymore. People who are slightly less rapid, you know, upstairs. He tapped his temple. It's like our new employees. They show up. <laughs> well, when they show up, and you have to tell them the same thing three times. And even then, it's only 50-50 they get it right. They think working is some kind of option, like they're doing you a big favor by showing up and pushing a broom. He sighed, leading them into the living room. When I was a kid, you worked. That's just what you did. I got my first job when I was 11. How are they supposed to put food on the table? I don't know. Arlo sat down in a wide, tartan easy chair. <laughs> we got these kids at the zoo. <laughs> Listen to me in my 20s talking about kids. But they come in without any sense of, I don't know, urgency or need. Some are good, mostly immigrants, but most of them are just totally lazy. They think life is like a conveyor belt that just brings you good things no matter what. I didn't start as early as you, Mr. Hastings, but I've had a job since I was in my mid-teens. Ethel came in with a plate full of crackers and cheese. It's the phone that's driving me crazy these days. My ear hurts half the day because I've got the phone jammed up against it for hours. And my neck, my shoulder. I know, Rachel, I should use the speakerphone radiation, yeah. But I can't hear people. It's too tinny. I'm on hold for hours. And when someone finally does pick up, they can't answer my questions. When I leave a message, no one calls me back. And I don't mean to complain about accents, but it's so hard to understand people sometimes. I think we're going to have to shut down, said Bert abruptly. I haven't missed a day of work in, what, ten years? I think. But we can't. Randall can't afford to pay people to just stand around. What did I always say, Rachel, about getting things done? Rachel smiled. Do it or tell me you won't. He grinned, snapping his fingers and pointing at her. Exactly. These chuckleheads won't deliver and won't warn me and act all offended when I chew them out. And I'd be fine getting another job. I really would. But it feels like everything is the same at the moment, like, like some zombie movie. Arlo nodded. They had to operate on one of the lemurs, but they couldn't. Do you know why? Because it's a lemur? Asked Rachel. He shot her a slightly annoyed look. No, because they couldn't get any lidocaine. Please, please take care of your teeth, everyone. My dentist said the same thing. Ethel shrugged. Getting children's medicine is impossible. I wanted to have some for when Ben stays over, just in case. Bert took a swig of beer. My dad talked about the war, the big one, the second. And if he was still around, he'd think this was pretty damn familiar. You remember, hun, that time you showed us this ration book? Gave me the chills, smiled Ethel, patting her thick belly. I do like to stay warm. Arlo said, I remember when I was a kid. Well, you'd remember it better than me. When it was supposed to be the end of history, remember that? Ethel frowned. Bert nodded slowly. I do. We'd won! Democracy, free markets, it was all supposed to be... Arlo gestured vaguely, trending upwards from there. Like the space shuttle, said Bert, turning to his wife. Remember when we first saw it take off and I said, I wanted to save up for a ticket? He whistled. Woo, did I hear about that one? You stay safe for the people who love you, said Ethel simply. Bert snapped his fingers. Ah, that reminds me. Did you call that insurance broker, young lady? Rachel nodded. I left a message. When? A couple of days ago. Bert tisked between his teeth. Are you being straight with me? Rachel's cheeks colored. Yeah, why? Because Harold is a good friend of mine, and I told him all about you and Arlo, and he would never in a million years wait a couple days before calling you back. Bert raised a warning finger. If he did, he and I are going to have words. Rachel cocked her head. I, I called the number you gave me. And you got the right voicemail? Oh, Dad, no one has time for voicemail. I always just bypass it and leave a message. And you didn't think it's strange that he didn't call you back? I don't think it's strange when... Rachel laughed. I think it's strange when anyone calls me back. 
Ethel said. Well, I'm glad it's not just old broads like me. You guys need life insurance, said Bert, leading forward. Anything can happen. Anything. My buddy Edwin, you know that story? Everyone nodded. No insurance. Three kids. The man died with two months savings in his bank account. His wife had to go to work. His kids had to go to daycare. Now, I know that your jobs are not as dangerous, but even in the car, accidents happen every day. Please, for my peace of mind, talk to Harold. Daycare, murmured Rachel. There was silence for a moment. Mom? Hmm? Cassie reminded me of something. You stayed home with her, but I was in daycare, right? A slight pause, a cautious tone. Yes? What happened? Why? It is always amazing how quickly old wounds erupt. Ethel frowned. Well, that's digging up some old news. I'm just curious. Why? Rachel swallowed, her mouth obviously dry. I'm not sure. Ethel's eyes widened suddenly and she gestured at her belly again. Are you... Oh, Mom, no. Well, it's not a curse. I know that, but I'm not pregnant. Bert laughed suddenly, too loudly. (laughs) You're thinking of putting Arlo into daycare? Arlo smiled, but thinly. Ethel stood up as rapidly as her knees permitted. Who's hungry? This was the moment of the power play. The topic dropped conspicuously like a shattering plate everyone was expected to just step over. It's Ben, said Rachel. Ethel froze. Bert's eyes narrowed. Is he okay? Not not particularly, said Rachel. What? Why? Rachel took a deep breath. Ian is going to... He's convinced Cassie to quit work and stay home with the new baby, and they're pulling Ben out of daycare. That's quite a thing, said Bert. We were never sicker than when you were first in daycare. You brought every bug and its cousin home. Rachel's voice was tense. It's not because of bugs, Dad. Ben's kind of freaking out at daycare. Her mother turned. Freaking out? I think acting out is the right term. Not listening, not sharing, fighting, hitting, biting. And I think his language skills should be further along. What does does daycare have to do with that? Well, Ian sent me a bunch of links and... And there are some... Studies, Ethel frowned deeply. Oh, studies. If there's one thing the last couple of years have taught us, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Ben. Bert held up his hand and leaned forward again. Wait, you're saying that Cass and Ian think that daycare is not good for Ben? They need to try something. Cass says he's becoming quite the terror. Oh, that's just the age, snapped Ethel. Her husband stared at her. What? she demanded. Bert turned to Rachel. Your mother did... She did work when you were little, a baby. She read all these magazines. It was expected, I guess. Oh, Bert, stop it. Stop what? You know I don't. The food is... Well, it's not getting cold, but it's better when it's fresh. Come on, let's go eat. Ethel reached forward and pulled at her husband's arm. He sighed and started to get up. Rachel felt a thunderous charge of horses in her chest, pulling her towards the past, towards... What? Truth? Revelation? There was no way to know. Wait! She cried passionately. Arlo turned to her in shock. 
Babe, you okay? Rachel leaned over and took her father's other arm. Dad, I want to ask you something. It's, it's nothing about daycare or anything like that. He looked at her quizzically. You can ask me anything, you know that. Ethel sighed and sat back down. I guess the food can wait, she said with vague bitterness. Rachel's hands were trembling, and she closed them on her lap. I've been working on this article about, about something called men's rights. It doesn't matter. The content is unimportant. But this man I interviewed, sorry, I, love, I never mentioned it. He asked me something that I've been thinking about a lot. To do with you, Dad. Me? Bert's surprise was almost comical. Well, Rachel gestured at her mother. We always thank Mom for her cooking. And you're going to thank God for your food and even the farmers. Anyway, this man... Rachel laughed rapidly. <laughs> he thinks that... Arla said, you want some water? Rachel shook her head and wiped her left eye suddenly. Dad, I'm not much of a morning person. Never was, of course. But I remember waking up and hearing you get ready in the dark to go to work. You just said you haven't taken a day off in over ten years. Bert's eyes were deeply alert. No, I said I haven't missed a day of work. What was your longest vacation, Dad? Bert frowned and glanced at his wife. New Jersey? No, Orlando. Ten days. <laughs> Twelve years ago. Bert smiled. And what she said. Arlo whistled. <whistles> Mr. Hastings, you're like a machine. The old man shrugged and smiled. It's my generation. It's our way. Rachel said, And I remember... I remember you always telling me to thank Mom, show appreciation, and, and, and praise her. You used to say, it's like mother's milk to her. I always thought that was funny. Ethel raised an eyebrow. Really? All these years, all those compliments, just fake? Rachel shook her head rapidly. Dad, this man wanted me to ask you something. Her father's eyes were dark pools of expectation. Ethel laughed suddenly. <laughs> well, this is all very mysterious. Have you been keeping a mistress, my dear? Yeah, under the couch. She helps me with my train set in the wee hours, in a bikini. Rachel shook her head again as if to clear water from her ears. Dad, I know it's your generation. This, this, this emotional talk is like, <laughs> it gives you hives, I think. But, Dad, did you feel appreciated for all the work, all the, the money, Getting up in the dark. Appreciated, echoed her father mechanically. There was no emotion in his voice. Well, we thank Mom all the time. Mother's milk. I'm... I'm ashamed. <laughs> it's so stupid. I saw a documentary the other day about a band, and the bassist wrote all the great songs, and the drummer... <laughs> well, the band broke up right at the height of their fame, and the drummer... Years later, said that he never thanked the bassist for all the great songs that made them famous. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is... Rachel fixed her eyes on her father's very still face. I don't remember a single time when I thanked you for getting up in the dark, for going to work, for paying all the bills. Your father wasn't the only one who worked in this family, snapped Ethel, her eyes full. Rachel turned to her mother. I know, Mom, she said softly. But you got thanked. You were appreciated. We all we all made sure of that. It's almost like we 
had to. I'm not saying that you demanded it or anything like that, but, but, but... Rachel trailed off. She looked at Arlo, who was staring at her father. Bert's eyes were narrowed, his face lowered slightly, his cheeks darkening. Don't upset your father, cried Ethel automatically. Bert spoke with some effort. Your, your health and happiness was all the thanks I needed. You and Cassie, and Mom. But why? asked Rachel. Mom's not a child. If she needs appreciation, why don't you? Bert shook his head in a daze. That time you burned your hand on the printing press? That must have hurt like, like heck. And when you had that manager, the, the bald guy with the beard, the screamer, oh, what was his name? Oh, Wesley, murmured Bert, his eyes full of pain. I mean, that went on for years. Three and a half years, murmured her father. I could give you that in minutes if you have a mind. And you couldn't quit? Her father shrugged. It was a recession. Rachel took a deep breath. Well, Dad, I'm not saying you need it, but I'm really sorry that I never said anything. There was a moment of silence. Arlo was staring at Rachel. Ethel stood up again. Well, now that that's Mom, cried Rachel, haven't you thanked him? Ethel's eyes seemed to freeze over. My relationship with your father is our business. Arlo suddenly said, You haven't thanked me. Rachel opened her mouth, and her face froze. Bert said, For the zoo? Hey, I make a good base and great tips. I give kids a great show. I know you shouldn't talk money with family, but I made one heck of a lot more than Rachel did last year. Ethel said uncertainly, That's good. Bert widened his eyes and cocked his head. <laughs> to be honest, we always wondered. Arlo pursed his lips. Well, Rachel is trying to get her career going, and there's a lot of massive jobs out there for me, so I've been hanging in to be supportive. I think she's a great writer. But I think you... I think you look down on me for that, Rach. We should leave you two alone, said Ethel decisively. There was a pause. No one moved. Rachel's hands were on her clavicle. My God, my chest is... Sorry, why can't I get these words out? What words? Asked her father slowly. Rachel burst into tears. Dad, you worked so hard for us. You still do. I'm pushing 30. You shouldn't be reminding me about life insurance. I don't think I made that call. I'm sorry. I don't want to make that call because I'm not sure what kind of life we have. Making a tight fist, Rachel thumped herself hard on the forehead. Damn it! Stop making it about yourself! She raised her eyes to her father's waiting face. Dad, I'm so... I thank you for so much. You are a great father. I know you would rather have been home with us. You always told us how much fun we were. Rachel held up a warning hand as her mother started to speak. I'm not saying you didn't work, Mom. God, can we just make it about Dad for five minutes? Dad, I know you didn't like your job. I know you saved up money so that, so that me and Cass could get an education. 
And I know you're a smart guy. You could have done better than me, I think. And I know that you really dislike, hated some of that stuff you had to print at the factory. It was pretty degenerate. I heard you and Mom talking about it a couple of times. And that screamer, he was a real pill. And you did it. You did it all for us. And we just swallowed it up. Mom, this is not about you. And here you are, surrounded by three women who take all your money and don't even give you the time of day. God, it's wretched. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. His eyes full of tears, Bert leaned forward and embraced his daughter. Ethel glared, then leaned forward and stroked Rachel's hair. Arlo leaned back, pouting ever so slightly.